Welcome to the RH Podcast. Quick nuggets of wisdom for happiness, efficiency, and meaningful living. Your thoughts need surgery and I've got the scalpel. My name is Ryan Howard. If you were to ask every person you know what they wanted out of life, it's safe to say that you could probably guess 98% of their responses. You'd hear that they want two things, happiness and fulfillment. In other words, they want to maximize their experience of life while simultaneously finding meaning and purpose. These are the two universal goals we all share. That's no point of confusion. But here's the ironic part. What few seem to understand is how to make that a reality. And no, I don't mean momentary happiness. That is pretty easy to find. One quick shopping spree can make that happen. I'm talking about the long-lasting, internalized peace and satisfaction that makes you grateful to be alive. That. But taking a step back and looking at our world reveals a very depressing picture. We see over 7 billion people running around like chickens, searching for the needle in the haystack. Desperately. So desperately, in fact, that they resort to the craziest tactics in the pursuit of happiness. They become extremely self-focused. They accumulate massive amounts of things at the expense of their peers, and they do whatever they can to enlarge their sense of self. Whether it be taking a thousand pictures of themselves and uploading it to social media for approval, or by putting others down so that they can feel superior. And by the way, when I say they, I really mean we. We are guilty of all these things. By the way we live our lives, But it's not because we're bad people. I firmly believe that deep down at the heart of everyone, there is innocence. A little child that's scared, that's only behaving so poorly because of their low level of consciousness. Even people whose behaviors we would deem evil, they are doing so from a lack of clarity and the desire to fill the inner void through the most horrendous of means. There's a famous quote that says, when people know better, they do better. But people don't know better. All they know is they have this thick veil of fear over their lives. They're haunted by the past, unhappy with the present, and horrified by what could go wrong in the future. Do you know what happens when a species lives in a constant state of stress, fear, and uncertainty? They go into survival mode and do whatever they deem necessary to survive. And survival can mean many different things. Survival for our ancestors was surviving a bear attack. Survival for us means avoiding loneliness and despair. Survival for us means protecting our own egoic sense of self at virtually any cost. So from this vantage point, we can get a glimpse as to why there is so much suffering in the world. Not just the heartbreaking suffering that takes the form of violence, starvation, inequality, and poverty, but the suffering that so many people endure silently the suffering of the soul as dismal as all this probably sounds right now here comes the empowering part there is such a thing as freedom from this pain and unpleasant relationship with life and it is achieved through self-awareness who am i how does my mind work what actually causes my experience of life what can i do differently or rather how can i live differently to improve my experience These questions serve as the signposts that will point us in the right direction, ask better questions, get better answers, and thinking in this way pulls us away from the madness we're used to. 
Remember all the ridiculous things I mentioned earlier that we do in the attempt to be happy? When you think about it like that, it's all pretty insane, isn't it? But those are all byproducts of how society has conditioned us. We live in a society that greatly prioritizes our external life over who we are internally. People are rewarded with approval and affirmation based upon their possessions, the car we drive, our talents, attractiveness, level of fame. If we score high in one or more of these categories, less and less focus is placed on who we are. What truly constitutes who we are? How well we manage emotions, the depth to which we experience empathy, and how we express love to the people around us. And so respectively, we live a backwards life, searching for happiness and fulfillment through the fickle things outside of ourselves. Quick survey. How many women's hearts skip a beat at the utterance of the name Drake? Hey, don't get me wrong, I vibe to his music too. And I'm sure that even as a nameless individual, plenty women would find him attractive. But think about the passionate obsession that many feel towards him. What is this obsession based on? Virtually none of his fans know who he is in his personal life. Absolutely nothing about his true persona is known other than what he conveys in the public eye and in his music. So what would this dynamic convey to someone who sees him? That external qualities are the road to what they want in life. So their, girl, their goals will then reflect that belief system. But here's the bomb drop. You ready? We must understand the universal truth that we are the primary cause of our life experience. Yes, you heard that correctly. We are the primary culprit. I know, trust me, we feel so legitimized in blaming the way we feel on our peers, our parents, our romantic partners, our life situations, our God. We feel like they are the reasons our lives feel so inadequate. And it's true that we experience some really crappy things. But listen to me very closely. Our external life is a mirror of our internal life. In other words, our consistent thoughts, behaviors, and actions actually manifest much of what we encounter in the external world. Our thinking imprints onto our reality, controlling what we attract and what we experience. By the way, this isn't just a theory, it's a scientific fact. It's just rarely addressed because society has conditioned us to, to believe the polar opposite. And I'm going to prove it to you. But before we go forward, I need you to enter this discussion with the right mindset. This isn't about playing the blame game or pointing the finger of judgment at you to tell you you're not good enough. This message is freedom. Its entire purpose is to convey to you that our life experiences change drastically when we experience extreme accountability, when we begin observing our life as opposed to reacting and realizing that we are the most crucial participant in how we feel and what we experience. It gives us new power. Wait a minute. I have a role in what's going on around me. If I feel crappy, I'm 100% contributing to that experience every time, and I may have even attracted the things and people that made me feel this way? That's accountability right there. So from here on out, let's embrace, embrace being fully accountable. Alright, enough dissecting societal conditioning. Now, let's unlearn that old way of thinking and relearn a new empowering thought system. Life, both scientifically and psychologically, is about energy and polarity. We are energetic beings. 
Human beings are energy. If you were to ask a top-notch physicist, they would tell you that the human body is a dynamic field of energy, information, and intelligence. It is so much more than just an accumulation of cells. In fact, 97% of the cells in your body are replaced with new ones within one year. Therefore, in two years' time, you've got a brand new body. A new spine, new brain, new bones, and muscle tissue. Nothing tangible about you is the same. The only thing that is constant is the dynamic field of energy beneath it all. That which allows the body to exist in the first place. Even your thoughts are energetic. You can have a thought that initiates the release of a narcotic to kill your own back pain. Now stay with me. In other words, your thoughts must be energetic in order to cause an energy-based reaction. So if we know that our body is energy and our thoughts are energy, everything we know about energy must apply. Like the fact that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Okay, so if your thoughts are energy, where does that energy go? I'll tell you. It resonates in your body, influencing your health and biological functions. Then it goes into the atmosphere, aka the external world. You guessed it. But that's only half of it. So far, we've explained that our thoughts and emotions interact with the external world, but we've yet to convey that they influence the external world. That's where polarity comes in. Polarity is the condition of having contrasting properties or direction. So when our state of being is imbued with a certain type of energy, we will attract what is drawn to it and repel what it deters. Let's think about this on the basic level first. Have you ever been approached by a salesman trying to sell you a product? And for some reason, you could sense the desperation in their persuasion. Like, they weren't being overbearing or unprofessional, but you could just pick up on the fact that they were desperate to sell you the product. Regardless of what they were selling, it turned you off, didn't it? Because you didn't feel emotionally free to investigate the product for yourself. Their inner desperation was an external deterrent to gaining your business. That's polarity. Let's try an example that's a little more in-depth now. All humans, at the level of their being, have a balance of masculine and feminine energies. That's not to be confused with gender. Men and women alike possess both energies. But we all have a varying balance of the two. Traits of the masculine energy include a need for competition, mathematical thinking, writing, science, and tests of physical strength. Traits of the feminine energy include creativity, nurturing, intuition, emotion, and the ability to look at the big picture of things. Because we each have a different balance, we attract and repel people based on how our balances contrast. But on top of that, the way we manage our balance of masculine and feminine energy affects who we attract even more. Imagine a person whose energy is more feminine, so they're very nurturing. But they implement that trait by being overly giving to the point of fault. They will very likely attract needy, damaged people. Let me repeat that. They will energetically attract people that will exploit the way they are. They will literally run into those types of people and be drawn to them. Their overly nurturing thoughts, emotional patterns, and way of being will release the energy into the atmosphere that attracts the exploiters. So then that person will likely experience such encounters, develop connections with them, and experience great pain, having their energy drained time and time again by the people they attract. So how would this person remedy this? 
Become aware of the pattern within, within themselves. Acknowledge it and then make an effort to combat this overwhelming need to nurture by applying more of their analytical mind and assessing their emotions more logically, they balance that trade out with more masculine energy. Okay, I'm sure you get the point now of what polarity is. So what relevance does it have to you? All of our thoughts and behaviors are polar. When we are hostile, we attract hostility and repel peace. When we live in fear, we attract experiences that will trigger fear. When we live in a state of humility, we encounter the things that will enlarge us. The energy we emit will be returned to us, so be mindful of that. Always be aware of the energy you bring into the room. Quote, compliments of Dr. Miranda Howard. Some of you may know who she is, aka my mom, but I digress. Next time you feel anger and allow yourself to release it on someone, think about the fact that you're releasing that hostile energy into the atmosphere. While you dish it out to them, you are simultaneously attracting it to yourself, whether it comes back to you in a different form, at a different place, or even in a different time, it will come back. The core of this message is that what we acquire and attract is based upon who we are. But I know the next question that statement initiates. Why is it then that so many people acquire a seemingly perfect life without working on themselves? Well, even while living a life enslaved to our ego, you can still acquire things. But at the end of the day, that pursuit is meaningless. There will always be a void in that scenario. How many famous beloved people have committed suicide or spiraled into drug abuse? If your sense of self is built on what you have, what will you do when those things disappear? Your money won't save you when a parent dies. Fame has no hand to wipe your tears when life throws its punches. A beautiful house can be built on sand, but just as swiftly as it was built, it can be swept away by the unrelenting winds of life. So the only gateway for what we're all searching for is inward optimization. When you embody humility, forgiveness, love, passion, vivacity, peace, that is what you're attracting into your life. But listen, I'm not telling you that so it can become a psychological goal. Oh, okay, I'm going to be nice and forgiving and loving to everyone and drink chai skinny green tea lattes every day before yoga class so that I'll attract all these amazing things. Yay. No, that defeats the purpose <laughs> because that is not authentic interchange. That is just an attempt at changing your behavior to trick the universe. I assure you that won't work. Plus, in that state, you're emitting desperation because with every action you perform, you're focusing on what you'll get out of it as opposed to genuinely becoming whole. So optimize internally for the sake of truly becoming a better person. Because when you are whole, when you are complete without the need of external factors, that is when you can activate the law of attraction and your external life will begin to mirror the wholeness and beauty that is your internal life. So I will leave you with this last message, a quote from Marianne Williamson. Until we have met the monsters in ourselves, we keep trying to slay them in the outer world, and we find that we cannot, for all darkness in the world stems from darkness in the heart, and it is there that we must do our work. You just listened to the RH podcast. This was another step in reshaping your mind to live a better life. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast, like, share, and spread the word. Now, let me say one more thing before you go. If you or someone you know would like one-on-one life coaching or a customized diet plan, feel free to email me at rhtransformations at gmail.com or visit my website at www.rhtransformations.com. And as always, thanks, guys. Peace.